For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, if you have enjoyed our podcast in the past, why don't you follow us on social media, at No Nonsense Pod, both Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to or follow the show wherever you are listening to get easier and faster access to our new episodes. Fun episode for you today. We're going to be talking to Titans Film Room later on in the show as he gives us the scoop on the new venture that he and several others have started called Broadway Sports Media. I'm sure you've heard about it if you're a Titans fan. And why else would you be listening to this podcast unless you're a Titans fan? So that's going to be exciting. (laughs) We're also going to go over some real news, guys, that we've had over the last uh, few weeks since we've been off for a little mini vacation. And let's just go ahead and start with the biggest one. Derrick Henry signs a four-year contract extension with the Titans with an annual average value of just over $12 million. Matias, take it away on that front. You know, I was a little surprised this happened, but not given the current situation. I When we tagged him, I was sure that he was going to play on a one-year deal. But I think the situation with COVID-19 – uh, and, and, you know, the the effect that has had on organizations, the effect it's going to have on salary caps going forward. I think that kind of it might have, you know, like sped up the process of signing Henry to a long long term deal. Uh, and I think they got good value, really. I, I mean, I, I, I've been like the biggest advocate for not paying big money to a running back. But given what Henry does for an offense, uh, as we've seen over the past two years, and given the contract that we were able to to hash out with him, I thought it was really good value, and I don't, I I don't feel too bad about it given our our cap situation currently and going forward. And I hope giving him a long term deal means we're going to use him a little bit more in the passing game and really turn him into a centerpiece of the offense, which he already is, but more so. Yeah, it's it's good to see. The I don't know if he's the hardest working player, but he's definitely a player that has the most wide sweeping respect that, you know, it used to be Marcus Mariota just in terms of when people talk about, you know, the Titans, they used to talk about Mariota. Then they shifted to talking about Mariota and Henry. And now it's like, you know, anytime you hear Lawan on a podcast, he talks about how good, you know, Derrick Henry is, how he makes his job easier. Anytime you hear about the Titans and, the national media, it's about Derrick Henry first, and it, all of that's deserved. So I think when you get a player that works hard, you know, signs his tag quick and, you know, did the dirty work. Like, he was never handed a starting job. He was never, you know, even as as recently as earlier this year, he had to split significant touches with Deion Lewis. So, like, you know – to, to do that and to never, you know, never act crazy or never, you know, say I'm done with this. I don't trust this organization to give me a shot to sign a deal that's pretty team friendly. And, you know, for him to get paid a lot of guaranteed money at the same time, like, I think that's smart for both sides. So y'all, y'all remember that game where Mike Vrabel lost his mind and said we wanted to try to get Deion Lewis involved early? The first six weeks of the season or the no, you're talking about the Panthers game. Yeah, the Panthers but, uh, game. Mm-hmm. I know very vividly because then they immediately ran the ball like eight times on the opening drive after halftime and scored a touchdown. 
But mm. I mean, the, the problem, the problem with that, I believe, wasn't Derrick Henry, which I think we all agree. I think it was just Arthur Smith was inexperienced. He didn't understand what he had. He tried to he tried to work his scheme instead of working his players, and he wanted more of a running back by committee kind of thing. And then he realized that you know he had Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, and that's not really a committee. So, you know, I, I think it took him time to realize that longer than it should have for somebody who's been with the franchise for eight years or whatever. But, you know, he got it fixed at the end, and hopefully that kind of leads into a quicker start, which a lot of people have said, you know, can the Titans start quicker on offense this year? Because, I mean, every year it seems like the first three or four games of the season, you'll have one good game and three bad games. And that's what happened last year. It just happened that our one good game was – 40-something points against Cleveland. You know, with the Henry extension, first of all, I, I'm not, I wouldn't want to listen to anything that's coming out with well, you, the you-don't-pay-running-backs argument because I don't think that applies here because Derrick Henry is not just, for the Titans, a running back. He is the engine that carried this team where they went last season. Now, and, and Will, you were right to talk about you know, the one game without him, Tannehill was fine. And that's true. You can't just have a good running back. You ought to have a good quarterback. Otherwise, you're the 2012 Vikings who were embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs. But without Henry, this team might have been decent last year. They wouldn't have, you know, been awful by any stretch of the imagination. But they're not in the AFC Championship. It, it's just not happening. And so this guy's still young. This new deal ends when Henry is 29 years old. So they're never going to have – they're not committed to him when he's in his 30s. Uh, it's a very low annual salary. $12.5 million is very manageable. I mean, just look at what the Cowboys gave Ezekiel Elliott. That's way more in terms of AAV. And I just – you can't move on from Derrick Henry. The Titans could not have, in good faith, after this season said, eh, we'll just let Darrington Evans do it. Yeah, yeah, he's replaceable. Because Henry is a beloved figure within that locker room. You talked about Will, you know, Taylor Juan talking about him on his podcast all the time. The Titans, both the ones wearing uniforms and the ones wearing headsets on the sideline, love Derrick Henry. And I'm not, ex I'm not really an expert in, like, team building, but I feel like taking away the or not showing due respect to the guy that everyone loves – it's a good way to. I'm not saying you're going to create, you know, discourse or, or anything bad in the locker room, but it could create tension, you know. And, and I think they did what they had to do, and they did it affordably. That, that's kind of my take on the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the, you never get better by not paying your best players. And yes. you can argue about positional value, like you talked about, or whatever. But like you said, it doesn't apply to the Titans, not because Derrick Henry is, you know, the best running back of all time, not because he's the most versatile running back of all time, and not because the Titans have the best offensive line in the NFL and just can't be stopped on the ground, but more because when you look at an overlap of an area of the country that the Titans play in the fan base that migrates there, which is a bunch of Alabama fans and his success, not only on the individual level, but the impact he makes on the team's ability to run the scheme they want to run. It's this perfect intersection of so many different reasons to keep a guy that it all, it just never made sense to let him go. And the plan was to franchise him twice and see where you are after that. You know, that's fine, but it's definitely abuse of the franchise tag, and it's what players have fought against, and it's what they don't they, – that's why they don't want the franchise tag is because things like that happen. You can't really operate in good faith knowing that you're giving a guy a tag and not going to make any effort to re-sign him long term. So, you know, I, I think that – when you look at the decisions that this team had to make and potentially what they might make if they sign somebody else in free agency before the season starts or whatever, you know, 
with the cap questions coming up, with the uncertainty about fans in the stands at all, any of that kind of stuff, it was always going to be hard to give him an extension that made sense, which is why I think it went down to the wire. But when the ideas came out, they're like, okay, they're going to franchise him twice and see where it's at. Once that became the, you know, the starting point for conversations, then Henry's agent could say, okay, well, instead of doing that, why don't we do a deal where you give him that much guaranteed money and then some flexibility after that. And then the Titans could counter and, in the end, Henry got what he wanted in that he got more money than he would have gotten on those two consecutive franchise tags. And the Titans got what they want, which is more cap room this year, flexibility after two years, and really one of the better and more well-structured running back contracts in the NFL right now. So, you know, it's hard to find a lot of fault with this. If there's going to exactly. be fault, it's going to be – in. And if there's going to be fault, it's going to be in three years. And at that point, you have an out anyway. So what you know? What's the worst case scenario? Is you end up with the best running back two in the NFL in 2023? Like uh, okay, like I, I'm willing to bite that bullet and also make 10 million or sorry, six million dollars in cap space or whatever this year. Yeah, I think you're right, Will. Especially when you said it's hard to find critiques with this because I had a couple of friends ask me over the weekend you know what do you think about the Henry deal I'm just I didn't really know what to say it's just kind of like I mean what, what do I think about it I mean it happened and good like you know pay your best player good you know I don't think it should be anything that requires like a take necessarily it just kind of objectively made sense yeah I mean it's one of those things where if you listen to Colin Cowherd or whatever, you know, whoever you, you prefer to listen to, their instant reaction is to look at the AAV, which like we talked about is the average annual value, and not look at the guaranteed money or the structure and just say, okay, he's making $12.5 million a year. You shouldn't pay running backs because they're expensive. So to that end, this is a bad deal when you don't really look at what you know the pros and cons of not having a franchise tag a guy twice what you know the off the field kind of stuff what it does for your locker room so anybody that has that kind of take now i'm sure you can wait you know three months and then they'll talk about what a smart deal it was so i think you both made really good points i i think i was a little not flabbergasted but i was surprised when i saw how young derrick henry still is just because it feels like he's been around for so long I guess just because he's been so prominent even since his early days in college. Uh, but the fact that he's still going to be here and he's only under contract before he even turns 30 is just it, – it's a really good deal. And like you said, Luke, before about like that he's the engine of the offense, I just got to thinking what other running back in the NFL could you have put into Henry's place last year and we get to the AFC championship? There's maybe – the only one I could genuinely think of is Zeke Elliott because I don't think any other running back would be able to handle that workload and be as efficient with their carries uh, like Henry was. And it's just, it, it really does seem like a good deal. And the fact that he Henry's on our team and we don't have to face him or see him carry another offense, I think is, is comforting. Let's move on to the next piece of legitimate news uh, that we have surrounding the Titans in the NFL, and that's uh, that the preseason is uh, the latest victim of cancel culture. Not joking, of course, but the preseason has, has the preseason has been canceled uh, due to obviously coronavirus concerns. Uh, the league and the uh, NFLPA kind of went back and forth on it, and ultimately the league conceded. There will be no preseason. Uh, I don't have like a sound effects board to me, but if I did, I would hit the button that played the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah because this has been a long time coming and it should not have had to take a global pandemic for that to happen. Yeah, I'm on your side. I found it really funny when I saw a rumor or an article of a rumor uh, maybe a week ago uh, that said that the NFL was considering playing only one preseason game. And I tweeted, what, what is the point of playing exactly. one exactly. preseason game? So either 
either go down the two or just don't play it at all, which I'm for. I just we've had this discussion before, but just to summarize, I don't feel it's necessary. I don't think anyone really gains a lot from it, and it'll just you know a, a few more weeks without. Terrible, terrible, boring preseason football. <laughs> is it isn't gonna kill us because what? I know Will is gonna come in. I and know he's gonna, he's and gonna argue for it, uh, I, but I've it's got, boring. It's it's terrible. And I've got one more thing to say before Will chimes in. I, I was reading uh, on Paul Koharski's website today. I think he made a good point. He said, you know, if this goes kind of seamlessly, and we're not sitting there in week two being like, man, we can really tell that they didn't have the preseason then it just may not come back. Like, we may have just seen the end of it. Yeah. I, I don't think it will because they always struggle the first couple of weeks of the season anyway. There's no way. There, I don't think it's going to be another two weeks on top of that like I mean, they usually the, the only people that The only people that want it are the owners. Roger Goodell has even publicly said that he thinks it's been too much in the past. Did they get money? Did they get money from it? Like, I mean, the ticket, ticket, and concession sales, and you get a lot of people in your merchandise shop for two yeah, games. Good point. Yeah, you know how everybody's so busy in August that they're like, "Uh, lead football's not back yet. Let's just sit around and watch more baseball." <laughs> oh no, is that the answer? Because the preseason gets more rated, better ratings than playoff games in baseball. Of course not. I don't understand this. Like, to me, the preseason is. And I, I mean, I know I know I'm the only one in this group that feels this way, but it's not the best brand of football, but it is the football where you get to see guys, you know, who may end up being players in three. It's it's just like its own little mini developmental league. It's like, OK, we just saw Jeffrey Simmons kill that guy. Let's see what Isaiah Matt can do. Oh, OK. Isaiah Matt gets a sack. That's nice. Oh, Isaiah Matt has a tackle for loss. Maybe we keep that guy. And I understand that you've said before that, you know, Vrabel is hesitant on whether that makes any sort of impact on whether they keep a guy or not. Okay. I mean, I, I believe that, but at the same time, like I also think there's exceptions to that rule and they're more frequent than he would like to admit. Because once you see a player do well in a game, I think it changes the biases you have towards him in practice. And then you either confirm what you already thought or you push so hard against it that you're like, yeah, well, that's because that guy's terrible. See, so, for, me, for me, the preseason is a reverse of regular season games in this sense. Regular season games are really, really fun to watch. And then when you're talking about it afterwards, it kind of like gets less fun. At, but but like the real adrenaline comes from watching the game. With the preseason, it's like the game itself, for me anyway, is terribly boring. The fun part is after it ends, talking about what happened and, and you know trying to figure out how what happened plays into who's going to make the roster. I mean, for, for, yeah. me, for me to say that uh, the preseason is great just because it's football, it's like, you know, I really love music. But if I just let a four-year-old come in here and play the piano that's sitting behind me and just bang around on it, but well, don't you like that? It's music. Not not that kind of music, no. Yeah, but to me, it's also like I've been locked inside of a soundproof room where I haven't been able to hear anything, well, and I just desperately <laughs> crave yeah. something that sounds different yeah. than silence. And then I hear it, and I'm like, oh, thank God there are <laughs> other sounds in the world. My yeah. brain is not going to collapse in on itself, which is the equivalent of baseball. So, you know, that's how I feel about that. So it it is it is dirty water in an oasis. And I'm not I'm not saying I would drink that water all the time if I had the choice. But I'm saying if I'm about to die or there's dirty water, I I mean, I just got to do what I got to do. So I guess congratulations. We've gotten an extra month without football in the year. So that's fun. (laughs) You seem really upset about it. But I'll I'll consider. I'll concede. Okay, it's 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 better than nothing, but I just I'm so every single year, I see that the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame game is on unless there's like an explosion on the field for some reason that 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 happened like a couple years ago. Oh my I'm God. ready. So I, I get ready. That. I'm like, that was that was insane. That was the Colts, right? I think it was the Packers and the Colts. Yeah. So every every year, I'm like, oh, it's a Hall of Fame game on tonight. It finally football's back. I get through two plays, two drives, 
And I'm just like, this is this is awful. I can't watch this. Yeah. And it happens in pretty much every game because they play the starters for one series maybe. And then, granted, we could see Tannehill last year, so that was okay. But I don't, I don't want to see backups. I don't. Like, they're not good. They don't, they don't play it, good football. I don't know. It's kind of the same for me too. Like I remember last year, uh, before the first preseason game that was here, I was really excited because you know I hadn't been into the stadium since December. Well, I guess technically I'd been there for the scrimmage thing, but I mean I hadn't been to a game since December. And so I was really excited and like, you know, walk into the stadium and I'm, I walk up and I get to my seat in the press box. And it's like, we're back. And you know, walk back downstairs onto the field. And then the game starts in like five minutes. And I'm like, yeah, you know, checking my watch. Try, you know, it's just I, for me, I think it's what's exciting is the idea of football being back. And then, like you said, Matthias, when you get into it, you're like, OK, bring on the real thing. Yeah. I think part of that, though, is because the Titans really haven't, first of all, before Robinson got here, they weren't hitting on second-round picks at all. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, kind of, you kind of miss out on that layer of, like, guys who don't have the status of guys who are going to get pulled quick, like the first-round guys, but they're also guys who are talented enough to, like, stand out among other guys. So, you know, think about, like, this year we were going to get to see Cole McDonald, which – by all accounts, is, is very fun to watch. He's athletic. He's not afraid to throw it anywhere. You know, you were going to get to see him and Darrington Evans and Anthony Ferkser, and, you know, you were going to get that for probably like 10 quarters throughout the whole preseason if we had four games, which would have been fun. I mean, that that would have been a legitimate, fun group to watch. Um, but, you know, you, you don't get that because, you know, we don't have that. And in the past, we really haven't had – See, like last year, I mean, we didn't get to see AJ Brown because he had a hamstring, and so they shut him down for the whole preseason. You know, the the few times that we have exciting rookies at skill positions that get drafted in the first two rounds, that they never play them because, you know, I'm sure Justin Hunter played, but I'm sure we ran the ball forty times. It's just like the Titans have a really bad habit of being not fun to watch during the preseason, but still, like there was a chance that this year we were going to get to see how the kid from uh, Appalachian state matches up against real NFL talent. Like, you know, that that's what, that's what is fun about the preseason is saying like, okay, that guy in space versus North Carolina was great. Can he do it against the giants and yes or no, whatever, but at least you get expectations and kind of, some sort of baseline for what you're expecting from that player. Didn't Derrick Henry's first run go for a touchdown in the preseason? Like, wasn't it some weird, like, read option or something? I have no recollection. I would almost swear swear it was one of those plays where the fans got to pick the first two plays of the game. Wait, Derrick didn't play in the preseason. Yeah, he did because he went over two. What? I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking oh, about his first, year. his first year. Yeah, his first year. Like I think the first play he touched the ball, he scored. Maybe like so, or he got to like the one against the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was something crazy. But um, it, either way, like it, there's just fun moments in the preseason that do happen, and we talk about them until about the second or third week of the regular season. But at the same time, it's like. What if we see something really cool tonight? But I mean, I, I get I get not liking a product where they don't care who wins. Like that, there is something fundamentally not fun about that. But at the same time, if you're watching it, where it's just like, okay, let's see what this guy can do versus this guy, I still think it's really fun. I think I'm just also sick of kind of falling in love with players and then they don't even make the team because they're actually not that good. And it has happened so many times, man. Like Trey McBride, Kalen Reed. I convinced myself that these guys are actually good because they put in decent preseason performances. And then they're out of the league within a year or two. And it's just kind of dumb in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, but we also did have Jack Doyle and uh, LeGarrette Blunt, like, famously, over the last, like, 10 years. Like, oh, guys who we didn't even keep. <laughs> right, right. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like those are the Pro Bowl guys who – you know, have shined in the preseason. We just haven't paid attention while other smart teams did. Not to go on a tangent, but I was 
pissed when LeGarrette Blunt got cut or right, we try to get into the practice squad. What a terrible decision by Jeff Fisher. Moving on. <laughs> we're we're going to take, <laughs> uh, take a 30-second break and then bring Titans Film Room into the show. It's an interview that you will definitely want to hear. He's going to talk to us about uh, his and, and some other of our friends, Mike Current and Justin Mello, uh, their new venture into creating Broadway sports media. So 30 seconds and then Titans Film Room. So we are joined now by the great Titans Film Room, one of our favorite guests we've had on the podcast. And uh, his real name is Justin, if you didn't know that. And Justin has just joined, along with several other names that you all, I'm sure, know, uh, a new, interesting and exciting sports media platform. So to start out, Justin, I'm just going to give you the floor Give us the skinny on this. What's it all about? How did this start? How did you get involved? Well, first, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here about this and other whatever other Titan stuff you want to talk about. But the to answer your question there, Broadway Sports Media started as an idea in a little Twitter group chat. And, um, you know, we, we actually have been talking about this for a, a good while, but it was kind of just like a cool idea that we never really explored. And then one day we just started exploring it a little more seriously. And our CEO, Jonathan Boren, who I actually met because he used to be a commenter on musiccitymiracles.com. He kind of one day was like, before this is way before he was CEO, came in and said, what are we waiting for? What if we just do it? Like, what is the benefit of waiting more? And I was like, I had this like, I'm not ready. I don't, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. But once we started uh, working on it, it all just unfolded. And this is, we've been seriously working on it since about February, right before COVID hit. And honestly, I don't know if, if we all hadn't been working from home, which gave us all a lot more free time, we maybe wouldn't even be here now. But yeah, so we're hoping to just bring together some of our content and put it all under one umbrella so that you can find everybody more easily in another just kind of community of Titans fans and we're going to cover all the Nashville sports markets, so Nashville SC and the Nashville Predators as well. You know, we keep, the, the three of us, uh, Matthias and Will and I, keep a list of five or six guests that we like to have on here repeatedly because, as you know, with Twitter the way it is, you know, everybody kind of has a voice, and it's hard to find people that A, have a voice, and B, actually know what they're talking about. And so <laughs> we, we like to kind of, Keep a list and, and keep the same people coming on, people that we enjoy having on. You're someone that's on that list. But it's so funny because we look at that list, and I'm pretty sure, like, everyone on there other than, like, Teresa and Teron Davenport is now a part of this new venture that you all have started. How did it come about to have such an all-star team of Titans reporters and analysts? So a lot of us, as you know, write – write or have written for Music City Miracles, including um, Josh, which is the name behind the at Titans tape account on Twitter. He wrote for Music City Miracles for a bit, so we got to know him, and he and I DM on Twitter pretty often, and then the rest of the Music City Miracles crew had already had a, you know, an MCM group chat, so that's Jimmy, Mike, Mello, me, and Rob Greenlaw. And then Justin Mello has been my co podcast co-host for such a long time that we it just seemed natural that we would stick together. The other guys are um, maybe not as well known, uh, like Jonathan Boren, who's our CEO, and some of our other podcast hosts, and some of the guys who are working hard behind the scenes. Oh, I forgot to mention Austin Nelson of Second and Victory, who he and I have just always been kind of friendly on Twitter. So it was just kind of a group of people that we've had conversations before. We've we've all interacted off Twitter on Music City Miracles, just like that's how uh, what we got to know Wes, who runs the titans all day 101 account on twitter and he's going to be making videos and writing stuff for us too and then john glennon was um brought on board shortly after the athletic had to uh, furlough a bunch of people including john unfortunately mike and boren just kind of said what if john joined our group you know and they went and reached out to him and he was excited and so we got john involved as as one of the founding members of the site th that way and, I mean, it all just kind of developed organically. Like I said, I've been working on this for months and months. So in the in the beginning, it was an idea. And then it was kind of like, who's not already established that we can try to see if, if we can get them involved, that we've had 
you know, lots of lots of Twitter chats with and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think this new venture is awesome, and it kind of I think it's awesome because we kind of did the same thing uh, with this podcast, taking it to something that we could make our own and maybe be more adventurous. Uh, what do you think you guys will be, or you specifically, will be able to do with this new platform that maybe you couldn't do on some of the other past sites that you've worked for? That's a great question. Thanks. Um, one of them is putting all of our podcasts together under one roof, because we all have these podcasts already. Like Justin Mello and I had a podcast. Football and Other F-Words exists. Second and Victory exists. Jimmy has MCM Radio, which he's now doing a show called Home Run Throwback for us. And then we, it also gives us a chance. We I don't know if, if you guys were paying attention around the time of the draft, but there was actually four or five of us that are in this group that were doing some kind of like test runs by getting on and doing live draft like podcast type broadcasts. And uh, we want to do those kinds of things. We have a, a show in the works called Sunday Night Roundtable where as soon as the Titans game's over or the day of football is ending, we're all going to hop on one of those type of live broadcast things um, on Periscope and, and YouTube Live and try to get some action questions from people and just kind of recap the game. So I think like putting us all under one podcast umbrella is is one of the biggest things. And then the other one is the video breakdowns and video reviews. Not that we couldn't do it before, but we never really put in the time to, I mean, those are obviously extensive. They take forever to, to make and edit and stuff like the the Tape with a Titan series that Justin Mello and I are doing. And actually Mike Herndon jumped on a couple of those when I couldn't make it. So we got a bunch of interviews with Titans players breaking down film coming out soon. And then we're also going to try to do some film reviews where we just kind of hop on together, screen share some some big plays from whatever the previous week and talk through and break them down the best that we can. So combining our forces into podcasts and videos is is where we're really going to take it to the next level, things that we didn't do on, on Music City Miracles. And I talk a lot about Music City Miracles because that's where my biggest background is, and I think five of five other guys also. But, you know, like John Glennon writing for The Athletic, he's going to keep doing pretty much what he was doing there. And, uh, you know, people who were reading him are already used to paying him, so we do have a premium version of of a membership you can get but we also want the site to be accessible and, and we want to build a community to people who either can't afford it or don't or they just don't pay for sports memberships or whatever it is you know we want to have a free user base as well that can be just as active and get a lot out of the site and then if you're looking for that extra bit of in-depth analysis you can sign up for a premium membership i'm glad you kind of brought all that up because you know, there's there's a lot of people who talk about football and, you know, there's a lot of opinions out there. The more informed, the better. But something that not a lot of people do is these video breakdowns. Like, I mean, obviously you do. But, you know, to me, the the video breakdowns with Khalif Raymond and Isaiah Mack, those are so interesting because you catch a clip of Taylor Wan talking about how he pass sets and stuff when he goes to NFL Network or, you know, mm -hmm. Jarrell Casey over the years and other people, but it's, it's rare that you get to talk to people who have a very specific role or who are sub package guys or, you know, whatever. And then you get to hear from them. Like, this is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm when the defense does this, or, you know, when, when I went against Quentin Nelson, this is what I did, you know, like mm -hmm. so many different, like interesting takes from people you wouldn't expect it. So that's that's what I'm most excited about. Like, talk a little bit about kind of, you know, I, I guess why those guys were interesting ones to start out with, and what you want to do with that in the future. Yeah. So we, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. I mean, one like one of the big criticisms of Pro Football Focus, for example, is that like, how can they know the play? How can they grade this without knowing people's assignments and whatever? And it's like we can watch this and think we know the assignment, but a great example is. We had Michael Pruitt on to break down some some of the Derrick Henry's best runs that Michael happened to throw great blocks on, and w we were kind of arguing in our in our chat about when we were coming up with the questions and looking at the plays. We were like, "Is this a an intentional counter wind back, or is this just an outside zone that Henry cut back?" And we came to the conclusion that it was a counter. And we asked Michael Pruitt about it, and he's like, "Oh no, that's just outside zone." <laughs> we were like, "Uh oh, okay, so." <laughs> That to me is the biggest thing is like I'll I'll post a little breakdown or whatever on Twitter 
And I'm just like saying what I think as if it's fact about the play or whatever it is, but actually getting into the mindset of these of these players and asking them like, what what are you seeing at this moment? What, how did you know to turn and look for the ball right then? Um, and then to your other point about things we don't actually know as much about or get a lot of coverage about, we had Dane Crookshank came came on an episode that we'll release soon, and he broke down his uh, touchdown catch in 2018 on special teams, and he broke down his blocked field goal against the Colts from last year. And I even brought it up to him, I was like, you know, people don't break down special teams a lot. Can you talk to us about the responsibilities of what each guy's really trying to do on a field goal block and where your eyes are, you know, those kinds of things, and really getting into the details of the stuff that either doesn't get covered, doesn't get talked about, or people just don't know. And, and, you know, you talk about just the, the excitement of the new venture, and that was something that I think for me and, and probably for you two, uh, we felt when we started No Nonsense after being with Titan Size for a few years was just the excitement of starting something new and starting something that's ours. I, I, how excited are you guys for this? I mean, this is something that's been coming clearly for a long time. You mentioned that this has been something you've thrown around and discussed for, it sounds like, you know, years how exciting is it to now come to fruition? It is exciting. It's also very stressful um, working on it, like, nonstop. But, no, it's so exciting. I mean, and the, the support that we received on Twitter when we launched on Monday was just so overwhelming to see how many people were excited. And people were tweeting, like, my whole timeline is Broadway. And, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. We thought we got some names that people know. We, we're confident in the quality of the work we produce. But... You know, you never know how something's going to be received. So seeing how, how we, we've gotten people subscribing already, and we actually had so much traffic on the site that we broke our servers and had to upgrade them. And we've been upgrading our servers literally all day, Tuesday. But as we sit here and speak on Tuesday evening, we are getting ready to relaunch the site. The servers are finally fixed. So kind of a good problem to have, I guess. We had too much traffic right off the bat. But, yeah, I mean... The excitement level couldn't be more, I couldn't be more excited, more thrilled. And and to be included in the group of names that I really respect so much, like Mike and and especially like someone like John Glennon, who we're, we're it's just, you know, I'm almost at a loss for words about it's really exciting. Exciting is a good word. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is exciting. And uh, I, I want to move a little bit into actually talking about the Titans or, or at least football in general. Uh, the biggest news, the biggest news right now is that there's going to be no preseason. And for those listeners who have listened to this podcast for a while, they kind of know Luke and I's thoughts on, on this. We don't really, we don't love think the, the preseason, preseason matters much. Yeah. We hey, hey, easy, easy. Don't Will, generalize Will, all of us with you. Will is another. St- <laughs> Will actually took out a second mortgage on his home to be able to attend the preseason last year. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, your boy, your boy has preseason tickets. <laughs> yeah. Don't come at me. PK always talks about how preseason is football the shape, you know, getting hit and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah so I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on what you think this might change with it with the Titans, or do you think it's going to affect them really in any way? I mean, not too much. I think the Titans are in a better position than most teams when it comes to like offensive continuity. They got the coaching staff, ten of eleven starters returning, and and I really expect them to take a step forward on offense. Maybe some of their crazy explosive stats will regress, but as a like actual play to play performance consistency, I think they'll be better. So I don't think they need a preseason to like work out the kinks. Where it gets where it gets interesting is guys like Cole McDonald and and Luke, uh, or sorry, with um, Logan Woodside who. Neither one of them has ever played a snap in the NFL today. And somebody on Twitter, was it, it was that guy that works for the, I can't remember his name, Zachariah Williamson or something like that. Um, yes, yes. He said today friend that of the, the pod. friend of the pod, good. He had some clowny news that he reported that clowny was going to sign with the Titans like the first week of March. And that obviously, <laughs> anyway, no shade. Sorry, I like him. It's uh, okay. but he, He's been a part of the Stop the Nonsense segment yes. multiple times. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> My friend of the pod was kind of sarcastic. Yeah. Although uh, he's a good guy. Yes, yeah. So he, he said that the Titans are actually going to be like the team that suffers the most from having no preseason because those two quarterbacks have, don't have any, you know, regular season experience. 
I don't know that that matters. I mean, there's not like a backup quarter. Like if if a backup quarterback is one, if one of those guys gets preseason snaps, is that going to change the outcome of the season if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt because they played a little bit more in the preseason? I mean, you know, I on. heard. I can't remember where I heard <laughs> this. Uh, it, it was I think it was some NFL Films documentary, but there was some reporter that went to watch the Colts practice, like a national reporter, and they noticed that Peyton Manning got every quarterback rep. Like the backups were just standing there. Like, after the game, he asked some coach, I don't think it was Tony Dungy, but he asked somebody on the coaching staff, why is Peyton getting all the reps? Why aren't you giving the backup any reps? And the coach said, because if Peyton gets hurt, we're effed, and we don't practice effed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's real. The, what What's a bummer is that we're not going to get to see Cole McDonald sling it in preseason. That's, that's the bummer. And then, obviously, you feel for all the guys that are like, spots what 55 through 90 on the roster who were trying to if not if not prove themselves you know deserving of a spot here at least try to show off what they can do and try to get picked up somewhere else so all around the league those guys are are really the ones who suffer from no preseason yeah i mean and i would argue too that it, it's the perfect time to have this kind of season because they just expanded the roster from 53 to 55 so you can keep both of those guys like and in another year when you might have had to cut down to 53, like you have those two extra spots in case you want to, you know, instead of keeping an eighth defensive back or a ninth defensive back or whatever, you can keep Cole McDonald and uh, Logan Woodside. But it, we, we can kind of talk about that in a second. But I want to talk about the two players who I think this kind of it's not a lockout, but it's just an extended like dead period. Uh, the two players I think it affects the most with the Titans, and that's one we've talked about is Clowney and any potential like instant impact he could make. And then two is Dennis Kelly, who I I thought uh, I'll say this: I was not a fan of the Wilson draft pick. I don't I don't I still don't think it's a great move. And then I heard uh, Jim White say today on the radio that he said that he could he could see Kelly holding the job for the next two years, which makes it even worse. But what, what sort of change after starting, what was it, four games at left tackle when Lewan was suspended? Like, how much do we think it affects him that now he's going to play zone on the right side? And I know he's had two years in the offensive system now, but, I mean, he's only played on the left side to my knowledge. And I, I don't know. Playing next to Nate Davis is different than playing next to Roger Saffold. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a lot to throw at you. But just kind of, I guess, a better way to summarize it is kind of give me your – take on what you think would happen if Clowney signs tomorrow and how much of an impact he could make and then what to expect from Dennis Kelly going forward this year. Okay, so Clowney, I think, is the difference between the Titans being a Super Bowl contender and a playoff contender or division contender. Um, I mean, he may not have the most production when it comes to sacks, but the tackles for loss numbers are insane. And his ability to be versatile on the defensive line, I think, would mesh so well with you have Harold Landry obviously on one side and Vic Beasley on the other, so you might think, where does Clowney fit? Well, Clowney can literally play every position on the line. And with the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, the year the Giants won the Super Bowl against the Patriots, those teams had such deep defensive lines. Every player on the defensive line could get after the quarterback, and they could rotate like crazy, especially the Eagles when they when they beat the Patriots um, most recently. I think having a deep defensive line is a good thing. It's not like, well, how are you going to get all these guys on the field? Well, you just move them around and get them all on the field, and then you drop Landry into coverage every 10th snap. And I know I'm not a huge fan of taking your best pass rushers out of out of the pass rush, but at least it helps confuse the defense and disguise what you're doing. Quarterbacks are pointing out different protections. They don't know who's coming at you. Clowney can stand up and honestly line up anywhere on the line. And then the other biggest thing that I think never gets talked about with Clowney, I mean, not never, but... Uh, the average fan would never bring this up is his ability to defend the read option because he sets the edge and he can crash on the quarterback or on the running back or stay wide for the quarterback. And then he's athletic enough to not like get juked out by, I mean, maybe Lamar Jackson, he can juke anybody, but you know, your, your average athletic quarterback, it Clowney's going to either hold him up long enough for help to come, or he's just going to make the tackle and, not just read option, but run defense in general. I mean, it's one thing to like stop a guy for a one or two yard gain. It's another thing entirely to to tackle him in the backfield four or five yards behind the line of scrimmage. And 
that that's a drive killer. You know, if that happens on second and eight, now it's third and 13 because they tried to run the ball at Clowney or something like, and you can't run away from him either. You run away from him. He'll chase the play down from the backside. So his run defense, I mean, I know it's, it's a passing league and it's all about passing, but if you want to win in the playoffs, you have to be able to stop the run because you can't come back from a deficit otherwise. And, uh, you know, if you want to get teams in third and long, which is how you get after them with your pass rush, you have to be able to stop the run. So Clowney brings so much value that you don't see in the box score that, I mean, his his familiarity with Mike Vrabel, his, he'll be able, I, th- I would think, to come in and play immediately. He'll, he, he might have to have a refresher and learn the terminology, but as far as, like, responsibilities and, and fronts and the defense, He's run this before, and if anyone knows how to get the most out of him, it's Mike Vrabel. And then, uh, sorry, Dennis Kelly, to answer that question, honestly, the longer Dennis Kelly is the starter, the worse for the Titans. Not because I don't think Dennis Kelly is serviceable out there, but just because, you know, you spend a first-round pick on Isaiah Wilson, the sooner you can get him in there, and um, if you check out, uh, Mike has a training camp preview coming up on Broadway Sports, actually. Uh, previewing, I think it's out already. Previewing the five biggest position battles, he bring he makes this point too about, you know, you want Wilson to get experience early in the year so that by the time the end of the season is rolling around, he is seasoned. You know, he he's has experience and the line can be gelling. So Dennis Kelly, if he has to play a lot because Wilson's not ready, I think they'll be okay. It's not really going to hurt them. I know he Dennis Kelly came in and played a few times for Jack Conklin down the stretch. And, like, honestly, because I did some Jack Conklin reviews, and I was like, there were plays where I was like, I can't even tell the difference between Conklin and Kelly. And the Titans also run a lot of play action with max protection, which helps out those right tackles. And they also like to do a lot of those quick passes where when I was watching Jack Conklin, um, because when I was trying to decide if I thought the Titans should re-sign him or not, I noticed there were so many times where Conklin gets beat right off the snap, but it doesn't matter because the ball's out so fast. It's like there could be... 10 guys blitzing the quarterback and the ball would be out so fast it wouldn't matter. So I think that they'll be fine. The more Kelly has to play, though, it just hurts them later in the year because Wilson doesn't have that that familiarity with everyone else on the line and the, and the experience of playing against NFL players. I know you're about to have to run, so just one more question, and then I just want to get your thoughts uh, real quick on the fourth wide receiver position. I think we talked about this last time you were on. They mm. seem pretty stuck on it being either Rashard Davis or Khalif Raymond, someone like that. Just quickly, what do you, where do you stand on that? Because I'm pretty skeptical of the situation. Well, first, thank you for that brilliant opportunity to plug our tape with a Titan featuring Khalif Raymond. But, um, <laughs> you know, be- before we talked to Khalif Raymond, I might have said – like, I don't know, that's kind of a weaker position that I'm not sure if, if how they they might add someone at the beginning of camp, whatever. After talking with Khalif Raymond, and you can check this out on, on the website, broadwaysportsmedia.com, this dude is so smart. Oh, yeah. I honestly am shocked that it took him like four years to catch an NFL touchdown because he, he I mean, the way he talks about the details of route running and treating it like a chess match and uh, working on on all the little details to to create separation in in every possible move and how he doesn't want to just be a speed receiver. And I even asked him, you know, most speed receivers rely on their speed. He doesn't do that. He puts detail into his route running. So I actually think, you know, he's he's a smaller guy, but he's tough. I mean, we saw him take that huge hit in the Saints game that should have been a penalty. And uh, he came back a few weeks later to in his first game action back was the Ravens game in the playoffs. He caught that 40-yard touchdown, beautiful play. I mean, he's a guy that can threaten defenses over the top, and for that reason, I think he's what the offense needs in its fourth receiver position because Humphreys is going to be extremely reliable underneath. A.J. Brown is a monster. Corey Davis is one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL right now. I think that Khalif slots in right there as a guy who plays 15 to 20 snaps, runs deep, forces the defense to be honest and and help open things up for Henry and Humphreys underneath and all the other weapons that are on this offense. So I think that I think they're fine if it ends up being Khalif Raymond. Like I mean, I'd love to see Raymond get a chance to like play more because I was really impressed with his with his brain as much as I was with the you know, his route running detail and stuff. Where can people go to consume all your content, Justin? Well thank you guys so much for having me on to talk about this, but check out broadwaysportsmedia.com we i mean i haven't 100% confirmed this cuz we're i don't know if you guys 
give away when you're recording and try to pretend like it happened on the day of or whatever. But sitting here, <laughs> Tuesday, sitting here Tuesday night at 7.30, um, three articles should have just been published right now. Broadway Sports Media should officially be back online. So check that out. By the way, I mentioned the premium membership earlier. We're running a promotion right now um, until July 27th. You can sign up for $5 a month, which will be locked in for life. So check that out if you can. And again, thank you guys so much for having me on. This was great. Absolutely. We appreciate it as always, Justin. Best of luck as you all continue on this journey. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys. Okay, we are back, and it is about time for Stop the Nonsense. I do want to say real fast that uh, Jim Wyatt of, of the Titans put out on Tuesday that Players will begin reporting for training camp on Thursday, and what that essentially means is they're reporting for COVID-19 testing. So once some of that happens, uh, then, you know, a few weeks pass, you get conditioned. Uh, Training camp will probably start uh, early to mid-August. I don't really have any comments to make on that because it just kind of is. I mean, anything y'all want to say? Uh... I don't know. Not really. Uh, I kind of feel, yeah, maybe you have something to say, but uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see how training camp will be covered because of all the restrictions uh, that will be given to the media. Well, well, you know, last last time we did an episode, we talked about, you know, maybe the idea of a pool reporter. It's going to be better than that. Uh, Every outlet is going to be allowed to have one person there each day. No more than one. So, like, you know, the Tennessean can't have their columnist and their Titans beat reporter there in one day. But you can alternate. It's like the columnist can go on Wednesday and the beat guy can go on Thursday. You can go back and forth. Uh, So that'll be nice. So there's at least going to be a flow of information coming from it. My concern more than the flow of information is uh, what's there going to be to watch? Is is this just going to be a bunch of individual drills and guys in shorts? Is there actually going to be... You know, 11 on 11. That's what I'm interested to see. So uh, just to kind of put further context on that, Albert Breer had a post, uh, had two tweets from, uh, I think, an hour ago. So what they said was, um, like, the the date, the start date he uses is the 28th. Uh, but just, just assume that this means July 29th because that's when the Titans go in. But – he said that the uh, the outlined proposal right now is that if a team was starting tomorrow, they would start with, I guess Wednesday, um, they would start with uh, July 28th would be testing slash virtual meetings. Then the 29th and 30 would ju- 30th would just be virtual meetings, no testing. The 31st would be the second round of tests and virtual meetings again. Then all the players who cleared both of those tests would get physicals on August 1st and 2nd. Then the 3rd through the 14th would be the acclimation period, quote-unquote, which is the strength and conditioning, like getting everybody in football shape, that kind of stuff. The 15th would be when the start of kind of the thud practices are with the shoulder pad and helmets and just, you know, contact, but not, not tackling to the ground. And then... Uh, late August slash early September uh, would be the eight padded practices prior to week one. So that's kind of a timeline with some real dates on it. that's being talked about with teams right now. And they're already basically locked into the testing dates and stuff because people are reporting to that. So the, the first few dates are immutable because they're already happening, but that's kind of the outline on where they're going to go. If this first, you know, kind of, I, I guess not trial period or whatever, but this first period, if it goes well, they reported earlier that there were 94 case, 95 cases positive, but then it turned out that was a misprint and the NFLPA meant to put 59. So they <laughs> misreported it, which is good because you'd rather have it that way than the other way around. Um, one more thing I want to say is uh, the NBA just had their most recent round of COVID tests. And of all, I think there's, what 390 something people that got tested and there were zero positive um, test uh, tests found there. So that's good because it is showing that the blueprint that the NBA is using is working. Even if it's something the NFL can't follow exactly, they can take a lot of the same things from that 
And instead of having them quarantine in hotels, they can have them quarantine at home and still sort of do 90% of what the NBA is doing. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be so crucial for players to actually follow the rules because, like you said, they won't be in a bubble like like the NBA is. But I, I think they care enough about themselves and their teammates to actually, you know, follow the rules. Or maybe I'm an optimist, but, but I mean, I'm hoping so. Look, if I never leave my house again, I'm not going to get the coronavirus. Now, the problem is they're going to have to leave. But if you're reasonable, you're not going to have an outbreak. The, the reason that we have an outbreak is people have to live their lives and go work. But if you've got this situation where you can have a, a, a bubble, there's no reason where, they, where there should be an outbreak within the NFL. It, it, it's avoidable completely. I, just, I sounded like Ben Shapiro just then. I don't know why I devolved into him for a second. but Politics aside, you're absolutely right. It really shouldn't be that difficult. But, you know. But they're going to do the, the most recent thing and kind of what, what we all think is going to happen is they're, they're getting their COVID re- results same day. And the plan is to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, they've said today, on getting daily tests back from COVID tests and doing it every day. So they should be able to keep a pretty tight track on that. So as soon as somebody gets flagged, they'll be removed and put into whatever program that team and the NFL agrees on. But it seems like it, I think the worry was that it would go, one person would walk in on Monday morning and then they would test again on Wednesday and that person would have been around somebody for so long. But it doesn't, it seems like with the way the weeks are structured in the NFL that Monday would be okay. Monday you go back. There's no practice on Monday anyway. So everybody gets tested. You know that night if anybody's positive. Then the next day you come in and you do your light work and, and you know, and then you progress like that. And it's only three days of real practice and then walk through. So, if you're getting constantly tested and it's same day tests, the the risk of a giant exposure should be so minimal. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, we've we've seen you know a nation basically get swept up in it before over something that should have been able to be stopped, and you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. But in theory and in practice with the NBA right now, there is. There are guidelines that work with just if the NFL can get people to follow them. Did they did they cancel joint practices, by the way? Yes, that's oh, yeah. done. Yeah, that's probably smart. <laughs> We're going to close out with our Stop the Nonsense segment where we, div- where we d- divulge our uh, – I guess we air our grievances during this segment. Uh, I will start. <laughs> Mine has to do with the coronavirus. Um You know, there are a lot of really good things that we have done as a nation since this thing has started to uh, curb the coronavirus as best we can. You know, we did the lockdown thing for about a month, and that was necessary to, as we all said, flatten the curve. And and now a lot of you know bigger supermarkets and and places like Walmart are requiring masks to prevent the spread, uh, which, which I think is a great idea. Again, you know the problem with the masks that some people, including me, I, I have lung disease, and so if I wear masks for a prolonged period of time, uh, the breathing starts to get tough. But you know, just 20, 30 minutes in a store, you know, let's do it. However, my grievance, and I don't really have a specific. Well, I'll come up with one actually. I was going to say I didn't have a specific example, but I do, is the things that people are doing uh, that are very clearly just for show. Because as I said, I think it is important for us to do things to prevent this virus. However, I think that some businesses and organizations have become guilty of doing, you know, quote unquote, things or taking measures that clearly don't actually do anything. For example... I heard of this group of people that went to a Red Robin, and it was like 10 of them, and they all came together to this Red Robin. Well, the Red Robin said no more than six at a table, and so they divide them up into two tables, which makes no sense to begin with because they've all been breathing each other's air, presumably in the car for a while. But then they like made them take opposite paths six feet apart, to their tables 
And like when things like that happen, that's when I'm like, okay, we're kind of getting into the realm of craziness at this point. Um, and, and there have been plenty of other things like that. Uh, I, you know, I, I went to a, uh, a theme park last week, Dollywood, and it was all very safe. It had been a trip we had planned for a long time, and we waited to see what their measures were going to be. We felt comfortable with it. Everybody in the park has to wear a mask. You're outdoors. Very safe environment. However, it was very funny because in one point of the park, in this little patio, they had a sign up like a smoking zone almost, and it said, uh, mask-free rest area. And the first time I got to that, one of my buddies turned to me and he said, because the virus knows not to spread in this area. You know, it's like, again, some of these things, it's just like, does this actually help or are we just doing things to do things? Probably the latter. Also, I feel like you always have uh, a grievance with a restaurant in every single stop the nonsense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Seems to be a common theme. Uh, I do love the idea of like putting one of those signs like above like an open pool of water and just like this is a mask free zone. Like it's fine. Just go ahead and jump in here. Like, what a crazy <laughs> thing to say. It's like. We've all agreed with the virus, and it's decided that this is kind of home base, and we're not yes, going to get sick here. Exactly. What a, what a crazy! It's very aggravating and frustrating. Yeah. All right. I'll go next. So, the Madden ratings. I've been dying to talk about the Madden ratings. They're all bad. I can't. I don't care. I don't care. They're terrible. That's fine. But why does everyone care so much Thank about? You. The ratings. I, I just don't understand why people get so worked up over the work of a a pair of individuals who probably don't even watch the games. And honestly, they probably take their they probably use PFF. And oh, one hundred percent. This yeah. guy has a seventy PFF overall rating. Let's bump it up a couple points. We'll give him a seventy-five. That's just how it works. That's how, legitimately how they do it. But people get so mad, and they're, this they're year dis, they're dissing the Titans. They don't believe. They're haters. It's, it's I think they're up, ignorant. Yeah, probably. But th- there's really no need to get worked up over it. But they probably do because this year th- it has gotten so much attention. There was a Sports Center special on Madden ratings. What what is going to be on? fair, what else are they going to talk about right now? I understand. Well, I understand, but. These like, people probably don't even play Madden. Yeah, What's the crazy thing about that is they, they already released the top tens for, like, every position before they did that. Yeah, right? yeah. Which is crazy because it's like, what if I told you the first, like, 200 draft picks? And then I was like, all right, we're going to do a draft pick reveal special <laughs> show. <laughs> like, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you already told us. It's like, oh, there's some of the other guys you don't know their rating. The one that got me is is I have a buddy who's a Steelers fan. He was like, did you hear that Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't one of the top ten safeties? And I was like, do what? That's crazy. That's actually crazy. Yeah, that's – I mean, I thought they would have had him at corner, but then he wasn't there either. Like, I thought maybe they thought, like, oh, he's a slot corner because they're, they're bad at their job. So I figured they, like, just would do that. But, yeah, I mean – that was bad. One the one of the ones you know what we're talking about that's really funny is they put out a list of the highest rated player uh, rookie on every team, <laughs> and uh, the Titans. Oh, and the Titans were dead last in the AFC, and and uh, Darrington Evans. It was, was Darrington Evans with the sixty nine. Well, that I means that like, they uh, gave Christian Fulton at least a like a sixty eight. Yeah, yeah, which seems insane to me. Like it just truly seems insane. But Isaiah Wilson responded uh, to to whatever the thread was, and was like a sixty. He said he had a sixty five, and he was like, <laughs> "Oh, like I feel so disrespected." And like that's the first time I've been like, "Yeah, like they nailed a grade." Like well, sixty five is mean, the right place to start. I mean, at least like his. You would think like he would get a good strength rating that might like bump him yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like at least a hundred. <laughs> yeah, to have a, at least a hundred. Like, what a wild thing! But that was that was one really funny part of this. Yeah. All right, well, um, what do you got? By the way, I don't know why people oh. still play it. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, the game stinks. Like, I used to buy it every year because I really enjoyed it. 
but like the graphics yeah. have gotten progressively worse and it's it's hard to play and i i don't have time it's it's definitely the worst game that i'll buy this year <laughs> because i'll say <laughs> because i do enjoy having it in like october but like before then i really don't get much use out of it um but yeah we'll go ahead and start with mine kind of talking about rookies uh so them using a Matt Miller uh, tweet specifically, but this goes for really anybody who reports something like this. Um, somebody said the Chiefs had reached a verbal agreement with all six of their draft selections. Uh, a source tells Yahoo Sports, pending physicals, all of their draftees should report to camp on time. And Matt Miller quote tweeted that and said, Brett Veach stays getting it done. Uh, and, and he was, he was roundly laughed at by everybody in his, uh, comments. Like somebody said, bet Belichick won't even manage to sign a single one of the Patriots rookies. And then somebody said, actually, he was the first one to sign all their picks. And he was like, that was my point, which is a great, uh, a great take because he also linked a, a, a tweet at the same time, but where Matt Miller had said, quote, Belichick is a bad GM and a great coach. Bill the coach saves Bill the GM from a week ago. So essentially, like, all this is is if you want to say that you've got a good general manager and he signs the draft class, great. Like, it's got that's got nothing to do with him because every rookie gets signed eventually anyway. But if you're trying to, like, stand for somebody, that's fine. But don't sell it as this is the cherry on the top of a great career to this point. Like, that's not what this is. <laughs> This is the bare minimum a general manager can do. If a general manager didn't sign one of his rookies, he would be fired. Like the, <laughs> there, is, there is no, there is no like, you know, A, B, C, D. Like you have the numbers in front of you. Everybody's got them. It's just whenever people decide to both sign them, and then maybe sometimes there's conversations about uh, like offset language. Other than that, like. The, the, this whole thing about praising people when they get draft classes done is asinine. And I get that they, the deals have to be reported. And if you're the first one with contract information, like if you're Adam Schefter and you want to say, you know, if you want to say Isaiah Wilson signs a contract or whatever, cool. Like you do you like that's, that's fine. But if you're somebody who's going to quote tweet that and say, what a great job by John Robinson, that's not the reason you should be praising him. Like there's other things to talk about, but don't use that as a way to prop up your opinion of a general manager. One, 100%, 100%. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We will be back. I'm sure next week uh, to talk some more about the Titans and look ahead at training camp until then for Matthias and will I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.